The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Ekman Larson had a poke past him, and now we've got a breakaway. Nugent Hopkins to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers. 3-2 in overtime. The Nugent is indeed huge. He scores in overtime giving the Oilers a 3-2 decision over the Arizona Coyotes for just the second time this season. The Oilers have won back-to-back games. This one they had to scrap for. They did not look great at times, but they're able to push, tie it up late in the third, and then survive several excellent scoring opportunities by the Arizona Coyotes in overtime to get it done. It's 10.09. Thanks a lot for joining us. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. We'll have post-game interviews from both dressing rooms as we move along tonight. Game like this, Rob, will start at the end, at the very end, with Nugent Hopkins' game-winning goal. I mean, you see sometimes these abnormally long breakaways in overtime, but there's Nugent Hopkins able to get it away from one of Arizona's top players to set up that rush. Well, Ekman Larson got unlucky there. The puck came up to him, and it was bouncing, and he had Nugent Hopkins bearing down on him, and he had another Oiler standing behind him bearing down on his all, and it was just a matter of hoping that it would hit him and stay in. Nugent Hopkins does a nice job staying with it, and at that point, you knew that he was going to score. The, the Coyotes had wasted too many good opportunities in overtime. The Oilers were going to get their one chance and put it in, and Nugent Hopkins did. He's He's been big for the Oilers all season long. Uh, tonight, he got to shine a little bit more as he was... I thought he had a strong game. In a game that Connor McDavid's line did not capitalize on their opportunities. Nugent Hopkins' line came up with a couple goals, both tying the game and winning the game uh, late in the the game to get the Oilers the two points they desperately needed. Yeah, Matt Benning tied it up. He gets a goal and an assist, also finishes plus three with almost 22 minutes of ice time. But yeah, Arizona was really coming in overtime. I mean, you see what happens if there's a turnover or a missed pass. It goes back the other way. They had two-on-ones. They hit a couple posts. I mean, any goaltender will tell you, hey, well, I can't stop the ones that are going wide. They're, they're not my problem. But, uh, but I mean, if you want to talk about Talbot's game, I thought this was one of his best games of the year. Three starts in a row. He's allowed exactly two goals. Uh, the 6-2 win in Detroit, 4-2 win in, in Boston, and obviously a 3-2 overtime win tonight. They needed him in the first period when the Oilers didn't do much. He made a couple good saves on flurries in the second period. Uh, not as much pressure from Arizona in the third, but he still made the stops he had to. And then, I mean, eight seconds into overtime, Perlini gets in behind the Oilers' defense. And, and, and it could have ended right there, and Talbot comes up big. Well, your goaltender has to come up big at big moments, and Talbot has done that. Um, if Talbot's not excellent tonight, the Oilers don't win this hockey game. I don't think the Oilers get a point in this hockey game if Talbot isn't where he is. Uh, Matt Benning talked about it in his interview afterwards that Talbot came up big as the Oilers weren't ready to play, and they weren't. Uh, the, the Coyotes made one mistake in the first period, and Cassian capitalized on that. Talbot made two or three big saves. The, the, the Oilers could have been down two or three after one, 
and they were in the game because of Talbot. And then Talbot makes a couple of big saves in the third. After the Oilers tied it, Arizona did have a push. Talbot made a couple saves, got them into overtime, and then in overtime, I, I got to tell you, that was one of the most entertaining three-on-threes that we've seen here. And in, and even if, if Nugent Hopkins hadn't scored, I mean, it was going both ways. Both teams, there's, we've seen games where teams, especially with Connor McDavid out there, have kind of tried to play it a little close to the vest. They don't want to force anything. They don't want to get caught in the two-on-one. Arizona didn't do that. They don't get many opportunities to win hockey games right now. So they put everything they had going forward and had a ton of great opportunities in overtime. Talbot made a couple big saves, got a couple breaks with post. But then the Oilers, they needed this win, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins made sure they got it. Uh, that's his shot. That is his shot. Little snapshot to the low blocker. He's he's good with it, and we saw tonight that it was just good enough to get the Oilers the two points. Congratulations also to George Bavere, the 50-50 winner, $259,000. Oh. No, 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 no. Started, started. He's going home tonight and tell his wife, you won't believe it, honey, we won $20,000, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 50-50 started a, a much higher than usual, started at $70,000 because of a carryover. So good for George. Got to see the Oilers win. Got a nice amount of money as well. 780-496-0063. We'll start off the calls with Kent tonight. Hello, Kent. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, it's really nice to see Nuge uh, um, having such success after really struggling and I love to, I love seeing him score and seeing him get a chance in three on three is like I think that makes the game a lot more fun for him and versus just sort of always being asked to do defense or not always but often being asked to do defensive tasks um, I got a chance to hear you on the radio uh, with uh, Jesperson the other day there uh, Reed and um I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about the whole Eberle thing, uh, just in that it's an, an, a neat chance because, you know, Rob's there and Rob had to deal a lot with the press and stuff as a player, I'm sure, and now he's a member of, well, of the broadcasting community anyways. But um, after you were on with Jesperson, uh, uh, um Sorry, uh, Spectre came was on the show, and um, I was really just shocked, actually, that he has the attitude that it's his duty to call players to account, and that he would go right to the point, right to the point of going into the dressing room or by the dressing room to, he said, quote, give players an opportunity to, you know, talk back to him or whatever. And I don't know, if I was the coach, I wouldn't want any of that kind of drama, you know, by my players. So uh, I know you guys don't seem to do that, but um, I, I was just wondering if you had any comments on... Yeah, I, abso- on I absolutely do on, on the Spectre thing. And, uh, I mean, first of all, we, we're all going to do our jobs differently. I, I think what Mark went that meant there is is that if he says, I think player X is playing poorly... Or I think player X usually body checks, and on Tuesday night he looked like he was afraid of body checking. That the next day he's he's in the dressing room, and he's not going in there or taunting players or daring them. But there's an opportunity for a player to say, "Hey, look, I I don't think that's fair," or or here's what's happening out there. And there have been very few occasions in my career where I've actually had a player or a coach angry at me, though it has happened. 
Um, but I have also had times where a player has heard something I said or something was said on my show or when I used to work on TV in Lloydminster and said, you know, hold on a second. Here's what actually happened on that play. Or, or say something about a teammate. You know, here's, here's actually what's going on with this teammate and why he's struggling. And I realize maybe you can't report that and I don't want you to report it. But, you know, maybe keep this in mind next time if you're going to say something critical. I think that's what Mark meant. Mark is not going in there and taunting guys or daring them or trying to draw them into any sort of verbal altercation. And with me, it's, I think you have to be honest with your assessment, but I think to an extent. I'll never do it, say anything personal. I will honest, I'll be honest about my assessment, but in, in a fashion where I, I, here's what I saw, here's why he did it or here's how he could be better, but never personal. I had a, when I played in Hartford, I had a reporter that crossed the line in the paper and, and said, and it was just, it was a personal attack. It wasn't about what happened in the game, but a personal attack. And then I had words with him the next day in the dressing room, publicly in front of everybody. I, I, I think that you can report things in a, a fair matter and a, a matter that is respectful to, to the people that are listening as well as the, the people that you are talking about. And I think that's the way players appreciate it. You can be honest, but be fair. And I think that's what players want. Yeah, I think you, you could talk about the performance, not the person. Nope, I agree. And, and quite frankly, most players know when they didn't have a good night. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Eberly thing, I mean, if it, if, if it affected Eberly and he said it did, and I have no reason to doubt him, it affects a lot of players. But, but it's I not mean, Jordan Eberle. But, I mean, if you're a pro hockey player in Canada, I, you're going to be scrutinized and maybe sometimes overly and maybe sometimes unfairly. Yeah, you are, but it, it will affect your play. It will affect a lot of play, people's play, and we've seen it here in Edmonton. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. But it, when, when, your own, when you can't come to your own rink without getting booed, it's going to affect the way you play in that game every single time. Well, the Oilers' power play was getting booed tonight, and quite frankly, it should have been. <laughs> well, and it does affect you, too. When you're on the ice and, and they're booing, if the fans are booing, it, it does affect you. Absolutely, it does. Oilers win 3-2. Uh, Arizona went 1-2 for two on the power play. The Oilers 0-3 on theirs. The Oilers were trailing or tied the entire game until Ryan Nugent Hopkins won it in overtime. Three goals means a $75 donation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. It's 25 goals every time the Oilers score. The total for the season, $1,650. And you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, we're going to take a two-minute timeout. You'll hear from Todd McClellan. You'll hear from Rick Tockett. We'll get back to the phone lines as well. Oilers take it 3-2 in OT. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630Ched. So the Oilers are now 10-13-2 on the season. They beat Arizona 3-2 in overtime. Very solid outing from Cam Talbot. In fact, both goaltenders were good today. Talbot is the first star. Scott Wedgwood, the second star. Nugent Hopkins, the game winner. He's the third star. I put out a vote on my Twitter account for the fourth star, and it goes to Matthew Benning, who had a goal and an assist. Your fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. All right, Rob, before we go go back to the phones here, I mean, look, the, the first period was 
sluggish, I guess, to, to, to say the least. What, what's going on there, and, and what has to change for them to take some initiative and, and maybe get a lead in the game? They've been scored on first seven straight games and 17 out of 25 this season. They, they try to wade, them, wade themselves into a hockey game. They, they try to, you know, take the temperature of the game before they decide which way they're going to play. And uh, unfortunately, in the National Hockey League, that doesn't spell success very often. You team that scores first, 65 70% of the games they win, the Oilers start to pick it up once the, the game has been started for where the other team shows, okay, we're going to be physical today, we're going to be skilled today, it's going to be a fast skating game. Or when the Oilers find themselves down in a game when they realize, okay, I have to have a little bit more urgency in the game. The Oilers don't start games urgent. They just don't. And uh, that's that's on the players. That's not on the coaching staff. The, the, the players know exactly what time the game starts at and what they need to do. Uh, but they just don't have the urgency that they need. And against a team like Arizona, you can beat them with 40 minutes because they're not a good hockey club but a team like Toronto or when you start playing against Chicago or St. Louis or, or or Nashville the top teams in the National Hockey League you can't come and, and wade, your, wade yourself into a hockey game and expect to be successful at the end because those teams won't be up one nothing on you they'll be up two or three Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan in about two minutes right now 780-496-0063 we have Cam on the line Boys, how's it going? Very good. Right on. So, Reed, that was a good question you asked Shirelli, and I'm, I'm not saying that to uh, <clears throat> to patronize. I was going to say that Ron Lancaster said he'd been interviewed multiple times. Well, obviously, hundreds and hundreds of times he'd only been asked a good question one time. And the thing about a lot of the media, they try to speak and, and give their comments through questions. So I just wanted to comment that I thought you opened that press conference up with a real simple but very effective question with Shirelli today. Thanks. Um, the other thing I was going to say on this topic, Rob, when you mentioned that about that reporter, one of the things I heard from a reporter one time, and I'd ask you if you guys would agree with this, because this is pertinent to both of you, I was told that a reporter, no matter how controversial he gets, the sign of a good reporter is if he shows up in the room next day to face the music with the player. Is that is that accurate? Well, I mean, yeah. If you're gonna say it, you better be there to to stand in front of me afterwards. Yeah, yeah I agree. But I do believe there are uh, people in the press, in the media, that cross lines that they shouldn't. Yeah. I think there's there's some that make a living off of being negative. Yeah. And I always had a hard time with those people, and, and the players know who they are. And I'm not I'm not pointing out in in what city this is in or what, but there are guys that their whole thing is negativity, and the players know that, and the players will not normally won't give good quotes will stay away from that that guy and, and they're like all right if you're going to treat me like that well good luck getting a good quote so i, I think you have to be respectful but when, when you, you got to be honest and when you're honest and it's something the player doesn't like you got to be able to stand in front of him and answer any question he has on it okay we got we got to go to mcclellan right away so i'll give you uh, 30 seconds here to get your final uh, thought in sounds good the other thing i wanted to say was i thought the press conference today was comforting i thought uh Peter Shirelli handled it really well. I think that he didn't present anything other than the way things are. He wasn't overly bleak. He showed some hope. He didn't get pushed around by the media, but he also uh, 
he also did show that he was trying to engage. So I thought it was a very, very positive and very comforting press conference. Well, we'll talk about some of the Shirley comments as we move along tonight, too, because that's a story. But immediately here, we want to tell you about the Oilers' 3-2 overtime win over Arizona and courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Well, I, I, I'd like to say we found some legs because I didn't think we had legs early in the uh, in the game. We were outskated in a number of different areas, but that happens sometimes when you come home from a long road trip. Uh, we've been gone a lot. I didn't think we skated well early in the game. We finally found them, and I, I thought we had at least an intent to shoot the puck. Where in the first two periods, we wanted to pass it across the goal line, and we gave up numerous uh, shooting opportunities and, and the opportunities to create secondary chances around the net just to be uh, a little bit too cute with the puck. Can you talk about Talbot's play tonight? I'm sorry? Albert's play tonight. You talk about that. Um, I, you know, I thought Talbot's was good. He made some uh, some dangerous uh, scoring chance type saves um, uh, early in the game, and then it, we kind of got a little bit of momentum. Momentum, pardon me, and he didn't get a lot of work later. Uh, but the work that he did get was dangerous, um, especially in overtime. I thought we were, uh, uh, I guess you could call us lucky in overtime because we gave up. Uh, probably uh, four to five chances before we even got our first. So, uh, You've had to talk a lot about the team finding consistency, even I think uh, before today's game, so does winning two in a row. How does that change the psyche for the team? Well, you can't, you can't be on um, or establish a winning streak without winning number two. And um, like any day we'll look at the game and we'll be critical with our team in certain areas we'll be happy in another but at the end of the day it's a win it gives us a chance to come out and play on Thursday to to try and extend a winning streak we've only had one other chance this season to do that um you know we've won now won three or four and and whatever uh, uh you know whatever that does for us momentum wise it, it can't hurt uh it can only help and um We'll get some legs underneath us in practice tomorrow, and hopefully we're ready to play against a real good Toronto team. You, you talked about overtime and giving up a few chances. Uh, uh, from a coaching standpoint, what's an ideal shift length in overtime? Would you like to see guys keeping it shorter and simpler? Or? I think the, the general rules um, in overtime for shift length really dramatically change uh, because of possession. You could have possession for a long time, uh, feel fresh one little turnover keeps you on the ice for another 30 seconds so it is a very difficult change uh, to make your timing sense of timing and to come off is, is also important there's a lot of times I thought tonight we could have done a much better job of just bringing the puck out of their zone uh, instead of scrambling to keep it in bring it out bring it back into our zone let's get fresh players on the ice uh, we didn't do that normally we uh, we do a real good job of it just tonight we, we weren't well, yeah, it was a, an overtime where the Oilers gave up far more chances than they manufactured, but they get the win thanks to Nugent Hopkins converting a breakaway. Mentioned a couple really good saves by uh, by Talbot. A couple shots hit the posts behind him, and then Nugent Hopkins gets the winner. Benning tied it late. Cassian got his first of the season on a breakaway in the first period. So two breakaways for the Oilers today, and they convert on both. Checking the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Toronto is up next. 
They are now 16-9-1 after beating the Flames 4-1 down the highway tonight. Dallas leads Vegas 3-0 with seven minutes left. Nashville edges Chicago 3-2. Los Angeles knocks off Detroit 4-1. Columbus wins at home 3-2 in a shootout against Carolina. San Jose over Philadelphia 3-1. Panthers outscore the Rangers 5-4. The Islanders win over Vancouver 5-2. Lightning shut out the Sabres 2-0. The Lightning are 17-5-2. That's your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. We're going to do a quick 90-second headline update here. Then we're coming back with more of your phone calls, more post-game interviews. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. For Arizona and bringing it in is Oliver Ekman Larson. Centering pass. Wrist shot. What a save by Talbot on Perlini. And now the Oilers will look for the win. Yeah, Talbot was very good tonight. That was that stop eight seconds in overtime, man. It looked like it might be a quick one. Turned out being a relatively long overtime. Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 420 of the extra session. Edmonton 3 Arizona 2. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 1033 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Quickly, Rob, there, our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. I thought that was an interesting question Ryan Rashog asked about shift length and overtime and Todd kind of took it a step further where he said he didn't think the Oilers did a good job sort of regrouping in overtime and taking the puck back out to, to center. Well, we've seen the Oilers a number of times this year that they're very good. If they don't like what they see, they take the puck out and give themselves a chance to, to, to re-attack. It also allows them, when they take it out, if they want to change, they can while keeping the, the defenders on the ice. When it comes to changing... Because it's a long change, and this was the best rule change that the NHL has made. Right. Because it does make it more exciting, because it is a long way to go if you want to change. What the teams do is when they do bring the puck up, and Arizona was very good at a couple times they brought the puck out just on their side of center, and they were teasing the Oilers, change, I dare you. Connor McDavid did. As soon as the Arizona Coyotes saw that Connor McDavid was leading the ice, his entire bench was yelling, attack. And then they attacked with a three-on-two and got a scoring chance. I think that was one of the ones where they hit the post. So uh, it, it is very, very hard to change in overtime without giving up a three-on-two or a two-on-one against. The only way that you can really change is if you have control of the puck, you bring it out, let your guys change, and then you attack. So all rules go out the window when it comes to changing shift length in overtime. You're just hoping not to give up a scoring chance or an odd man break when you do change. You're going to hear from the Nuge in a couple of minutes here, but first, 780-496-0063. Here's Keaton. Go ahead, Keaton. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Um, I just want to uh, talk about the game tonight and how uh, the Oilers, they did kind of come out a little bit flat in that first period, in my opinion. Uh, they just really couldn't get the offense going for the first couple minutes there. And um, you can't really blame Talbot for that first goal. You know, he was doing everything he could, and all the Coyotes had to do was just flip it over his pad. And then uh, throughout the game, the Oilers uh, started getting their momentum back. Kudos to uh, Cassian for another great breakaway goal. He's uh, been one of the Oilers' best players this year, in my opinion, alongside with Nugent uh, Hopkins. And one thing in that overtime that really concerned me was how many opportunities they uh, they gave away, um, especially in those uh, first eight seconds 
when the Coyotes came in and uh, nearly got one. Talbot definitely stood on his head in that overtime. And if it was him in that overtime, uh, you know, the Oilers would have uh, skated away with the loss and only one point. Yeah, well, Talbot, I, I thought, had a, had a pretty thorough game. Actually, even on that, and thanks for calling, Keaton, even on the goal Fisher scored in the first period, Talbot made a great save on the first try that he got with his pad, but then Fisher found it again and, and was able to flip it in. And, I mean, early in the second period, Domi's, I, I thought Domi was going to score uh, on that one right at the start of the second period. Talbot got the pad down and kept it out, and then, then obviously the big saves in overtime. Uh, you'll hear from Talbot as we move along tonight, but right now for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, here's the guy who got the game winner, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Back up. Ryan, just talk about being able to get back-to-back wins, second time this season, maybe try and build something here. Definitely nice uh, for our confidence right now. And, um, both games are uh, came back from a goal, so uh, we're showing a lot more fight, a lot more resilience right now, so uh, it should go a long way for our team. Talk about that third period, Ryan, and maybe what you guys were able to find that you were missing the first couple, what changed? I mean, it, we just kind of kept it simple right from the start uh, in that third. I mean, we were putting pucks behind them and uh, putting a lot of pucks on net, and uh, then we were getting the second, third opportunities, and we could um, start to roll around in their zone, and uh, it's something that we can uh, kind of learn from and uh, uh, put that to a uh, full 60 minutes. Just uh, take us to the winner? Uh, just kind of poked it loose there and had a lot of time to think about it. I didn't want to overcomplicate it, especially at the end of the game, and um, just tried to get my best angle to put that low blocker there. Talbot kind of gave you guys some big saves early when uh, it looked like you know, it was a slow start. Early and late. I mean, um, kept us in it in the overtime period, too, so... Uh, he was solid all, all 60 minutes tonight, and um, just glad that we could uh, pull the win together. Great. That's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Thanks, Brendan. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, game winner, his ninth goal of the season in 25 games, second on the team, trailing only Connor McDavid's 10. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins. Uh, Nugent Hopkins actually was our, our first goal of the game pick uh, tonight by our contestants so unfortunately that doesn't come through but he I mean he's been playing well got six without a goal so I mean that's you know I know the guys never want to go long stretches without scoring not that six is an incredibly long time but Nugent Hopkins has been playing well usually even games he doesn't score on the flip side Zach Cassian, I mean, that was uh, several pianos and gorillas on his back he finally converts tonight he, he did and I mean, he had a stretch at the beginning of the season where he was getting opportunities. They, they weren't going in. He wasn't putting the puck in on his breakaways. But then he went a long time where, where the opportunities weren't there. And that's what's really frustrating as a player. It's one thing if the puck's not going in and you're getting chances. Well, you feel it's going to come. But if you struggle early and then you don't get chances, now you're wondering, am I ever going to score again? So it was a nice play by Latestu. It was a, a smart play by Cassian. He's been trying to deke. Here he's going in on a goaltender with, that's inexperienced. Find your spot and put the puck there. And if Cassian misses, he was so far ahead of the guy behind him. If he misses, the rebound comes right back to him. So you get two cracks for the price of one. He made no mistake. And that was an important goal because the uh, Arizona was, I thought, dominant to, uh, offensively in the first period. They had all the chance. They had... The, the play in the offensive zone the whole time. The Oilers weren't getting anything going. Went a long time with just two, three shots 
on the score clock. So they made one mistake. Cassian made him pay. And that got the Oilers going as the Oilers got better after that. 3-2, the Oilers take it in overtime. Hey, if the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630ched.com, and then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side and north side. They don't quite uh, get there tonight. Uh, when did they have uh, six there? That was like, in Detroit last uh, Wednesday. We turned on the uh, old Japanese Village goal light. Yeah, like you're asking me, like I can remember what happened more than 12 hours. Well, ago. I was hoping you'd remember the a game played less than a week ago. Nope, too too much. Not to a chance. <laughs> too many hits to the head. <laughs> oh, gee, well, now I feel bad for laughing. That's all right. My wife laughs at me too. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring in Matt. Hello, Matt. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Uh, you know what? I thought Talbot played pretty good, but he got lucky there in the overtime. Two posts, the crossbar. But uh, what a what a play by Nugent Hopkins at the end! They're getting in deep and putting it home for the oil. Yeah, Talbot will, Talbot will tell you that he had the angle, so he wasn't worried about those pucks going in. That was all the that's all that's the right. guy had to shoot at. Yeah, you know what? Post doesn't go in, so big big win for the oil though tonight for sure. Matt, you're our finish the play contestant for an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Jet Set Parking, park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Kellen, what have you manufactured tonight? Russell had it, lost it. Coming over, dry settle, lead pass. McDavid behind Ekman Larson to the net. Rich shot. Goal or no goal? Simple one tonight. No goal, no goal. Russell had it, lost it. Coming over, dry settle, lead pass. McDavid behind Ekman Larson to the net. Rich shot, save made by Wedgwood, who looked behind him, but he had it five hole. Matt, good stuff. You win, finish the play tonight. Scott Wedgwood, his 12th NHL game, winds up being the second star tonight. Here he is in the Arizona dressing room. The only two guys that didn't think that three-on-three was exciting was probably the, the two goaltenders, but that was high drama out there, wasn't it? Yeah, I, know, I thought we, I think they only had maybe the one or two mm-hmm. shots, uh, which is unfortunate. You know, a couple of posts, and we had them on their heels, and they got one opportunity, and I uh, would like to make a save there for the boys. What were you thinking that he's coming down all alone on you? Nothing, just uh, eyes on the puck, trying to make a stop. Uh, they made a nice play. That's a solid shot for a lefty pulling it and pushing it uh, over my right ankle. But, uh, you know, that's two breakaway goals, blocker side. It's kind of unfortunate. You were pretty uh, got confidence and resolve this morning about what happened on Saturday and I looked like you were ready to roll here tonight. It maybe even had a bit of an edge about wanting to get back out there. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I want to be a starter in this league, and right now I have an opportunity to, to you know, kind of take the role here, waiting for uh, Auntie to come back, and obviously he's been good for us. But... Uh, you know, what happened the other night wasn't uh, anything on my abilities. It was just unfortunate. You know, you spread those goals out throughout a game, and, you know, you're still in there. It's just uh, quick like that was obviously something you don't want to give uh, a team to take away. But, uh, yeah, I want to get out here. I want to play well. thought I did. Uh, you know, I want to put my best foot forward. And, you know, they get a, two breakaways and a, an unfortunate tip off our, our own stick trying to do the right thing. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the game right now. And I thought overall the guys uh, should have won that game. When you get whacked by your own guy, what's happening there? Uh, I, I just felt it across my neck, so I was I, it was really hot right away. So I thought I might have been cut. That's why I stayed down. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, no, you know, just incidental contact, and uh, just wanted to make sure it wasn't bleeding before uh, play continued. Do you ever worry the guys upstairs are going? Oh, concussion protocol. Yeah, I learned that uh, my first game. I got. Uh, I forget what happened. I think I got hit or something, and I just kind of stayed down. Guy pushed, kind of cracked my back, and 
they were wondering about the concussion protocol. So, you know, I got up right away, um, obviously showed us my neck, and obviously didn't want to get out of there at that point in the game. Probably not too many goalies that leave here after a loss that are the second star of the night. I think I heard your name out there. Yeah, I think they said it, but, uh, you know, I don't think we go out on the road. But, um, you know, again, I think, you know, the guys deserve that win. Um, they yeah. played well in front of me. They took away you know, high-powered offense, you know, kept them to two goals and an overtime goal. So uh, we did great defensively, and I thought, uh, you know, overall, I think uh, we walk out of here probably deserving that win if we play uh, that way moving forward. So that's Scott Wedgwood, his 12th career appearance, eight of them this season with Arizona. He was drafted by New Jersey, 84th overall back in 2010. Yeah, he played well. And as he said, two breakaway goals and the, the bending goal that it looked like it tipped something out high. Uh, he made some big saves when he needed to, gave his team a chance too, but Talbot was just a little bit better tonight, and Talbot's team gets the two points instead. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Yeah, that play where he took the, the stick across the neck was uh, a bit of an odd sequence. Not an odd sequence, but a memorable sequence. I mean, right before that, dry sidle was <laughs> like, right in tight on him. That, well, it was it was a great play, and I, I, I don't know who was the player that passed it out front. Was it, it might have been Maroon. I think it was Maroon, yeah. They, they were fighting along the boards, and Maroon, I think, threw it blindly, thinking that Drysdale should be in the area, and it came up to Drysdale, and Drysdale was by himself. He probably had three seconds. He had a breakaway, and instead of attacking the net, he waited for McDavid to come out of the corner and try and hit him back door. The problem was McDavid had two guys on him, and he passed it, and it just went into the corner, and that's when he was struck with the stick as Ekman Larson was the one that had McDavid. But Drysaddle's got to attack there. And I, I don't think uh, me sitting in the press box have to, has to tell Leon Drysaddle how to play offensively. He's pretty darn good. But I think that if, if, if he watches the video and sees how much time he has, he's a very good hockey player. He's got a great shot, and at that point in a close hockey game, attack and just force, force the goalie to make a save. What do you think of that tripping penalty Ben got late in the first period? <laughs> well, I think I, I bet you Matt went in between periods, or at least after the game, and went to see wh- how where he got called. It was funny when the ref pointed at him. He was on his way to the bench. The ref pointed at him. So you got a penalty, and, and Matt actually first pointed into his own end. Where in there? And they're like, no, no, up at the blue. And Matt's like, what are you talking about? And then they, we watched the replay because we we had a hard time seeing it in the press box because it's close to us. But in the replay, the kid toe picked or actually heel-picked, about three feet in front of Benning. Benning was nowhere near him when, when he went down, and that's one of those ones, and this is the one that really bothered you as a player, is when a referee calls something that didn't happen. Sometimes they miss it, and you understand it. If their head's turned one way and they miss something and they don't make the call, that's fine. But to call something that didn't happen, that's frustrating because you're saying, okay, seriously, I never touched the guy. How can you say I did? Uh, but I, I thought that uh, Arizona got a phantom call against them too. There's a cross-checking penalty on. Oh, uh, the guy that hit Strom. Yeah, I think, I think Martin. Was that Martin Nuke? Martin yeah. Nuke. And that was, a, that was a terrible call too. So yeah, He pushed him, but it wasn't a full-on cross-check. Cross check. The guy, Strom's at the puck in front of the net. Of course you're going to push him. You're not going to let him. So I thought there was a couple suspect calls, but at the end of the night, I thought the referees weren't better than those two calls. Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. Cam Talbot, very good. You will hear from him when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. 
Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. And now step on with a turnover. Here's Latestu to Cassian for a breakaway. Rich shot, score! Zach Cassian's first goal of the year has tied the game at one. Cassian finally breaking through. Breakaway goal, Latestu the assist. Benning from Russell and Lucic. Nugent Hopkins from Benning. The other official scoring plays for the Oilers tonight as they get by Arizona 3-2 in overtime. They had to scrap for it, but they do survive and figure it out in the end. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. Jason has dialed that number. Hello, Jason. Hey, Reed and Rob. How are you guys? Very good. Uh, just uh, Shirelli was doing his presser and mentioned a little tweak or injury that Clefbaum is playing with. Uh, I'm wondering about Drysaddle this year because he looks nothing like he did last year in either the World Cup or the regular season or even the playoffs. So I'm wondering, like, can a guy lose that much confidence and that much of a step that he can't make passes, receive passes, skate fast. Like in overtime, when he stopped that one winger rushing in on the side, the last year, Dreisaitl would have taken that puck and turned it back up ice, and he couldn't even do anything with it. He got stuck. Well, I mean, Dreisaitl right now is on pace for the exact same stats he had last year. So, I mean, has he been as good every night? No, but I think sometimes... You, you you look at what he did with his final stats last year and you forget about the times. That, I mean, every all 82 games he had last year weren't stellar. And no player did. But he right now is on pace for uh, almost the exact same as what he had last year. He's averaging just under a point a game right now. And he was just under a point a game last season. So, uh, to me, uh, I, I don't see him... With, as you just said, where he can't skate, can't pass, all those. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that one. I mean, he obviously missed a few games earlier in the season with the uh, eye problem slash uh, concussion concern. He, uh, I believe he does not have a power play point still. Uh, no, I don't think he does. Which is uh, unusual. <laughs> Very. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think... I don't, I don't think Leon Dreisaitl has suddenly turned into a bad player. I, I think he's one of many guys where you've seen... Where some nights, especially when the Oilers have lost, you've said... Well, you needed something, or where's that? Where's that jump he's had last year? But unfortunately, that's kind of afflicted uh, a lot, a lot of the forwards this year. Well, I, I think sometimes you look at the team's record and you say, okay, your best players aren't playing well. But I mean, Connor McDavid is on; for, he's actually ahead of his pace of last year. Nugent Hopkins is well ahead of his pace. Leon Drysaddle's in the exact same pace he was last year. Even Milan Lucic uh, is more or less. What he's what he's on pace for, what he has every year, he's on pace for between 45 and 50 points. So uh, I think the, the record makes you feel that some of these players aren't producing at the rate that they did last year, yet they are. And unfortunately for them, through for a number of different reasons, the, the team as a whole has not been as good this year, where some individual team st- players' stats 
are as good, if not better, than what they had last year. All right, Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Cam Talbot, very good tonight. He made 29 saves. Can you just sort of talk about what you saw from your, your the team in front of you for the first two periods and what sort of changed during the third? It seemed like a desperate effort. We needed a desperate effort tonight. Uh, we can't afford to keep giving up points, especially at home. We have to make this a tough building to come in and play, and uh, Benny got us a, a big goal at the end of the third there, and uh, anytime we go into the 3-3, three and three, uh, I usually like our chances, so it's just a matter of giving our guys a chance to, to get there. Just discuss your game, Cam, how you felt in there tonight. You made a lot of saves and you know, some pretty critical ones to hold your team close. Yeah, I felt pretty pretty strong in my game tonight. I thought I created or, um, created um, rebounds to the corner. Didn't give them a whole lot of second opportunities. Uh, managed my rebounds pretty well. Um, thought that uh, I was tracking the puck pretty well and just put it in spots where a D-man could get it. And um, the guys did a good job in front of me. What did you think of overtime? Because I think five seconds in, Perlini's basically in all alone, and then it just seemed like it was pretty crazy from there. But what was your perspective on it? Well, like I said, it's just giving our guys a chance. I know that anytime we get to that, uh, that three and three, that we got the guys in this room to, to go down and score some goals. So I uh, had to come up with a couple of big saves there. Got lucky a couple of times too off the post, but sometimes those bounces uh, haven't been going our way lately. So it's nice to get a couple of those and big goal by Nuge. This might not be like a poster perfect game, but putting back to back wins together for this team. I mean, how do you guys build off of that? Can that mean something? Yeah, I think we have to... We definitely have to build off it, but I think we can't get too complacent. I think after we've strung together a win or two, we seem to um, to come up the next game a little bit flat, and I think that we have to just build off this, come out strong next game, and, and continue that momentum moving are forward. St- Sorry, are you still at a point where you have to build up your confidence, or where are you at with all that stuff? I felt pretty good tonight. I thought I made some big saves uh, in, in tight and big saves in overtime to, to give us a chance, and um, those are saves that maybe I haven't been making lately, and the boys expect me to make, so uh, I got back to making those tonight in the past couple games as well, so I feel pretty good with one of my games that now, going in the right direction. Read that's uh, Cam Talbot. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room, and, and no doubt Cam Talbot, three solid starts in a row. He has won all three. The Oilers have won three of their last four, and as they alluded to in that media scrum, a winning streak for just the second time all season for the Oilers. Two in a row. They'll try to make it three in a row against Toronto on Thursday. That's going to be a tough one. The Leafs winning 4-1 in Calgary tonight. 780-496-0063 will welcome Harley to the show. Hi, Harley. Uh, hi, guys. I was at the game here tonight, and uh, it's more of an observation that I, I noticed. Uh, uh, but uh, at the end of the game there, I don't know if uh, you guys heard it on the radio or on the TV, but... Uh, Talbot getting first star and and him talking after and the one thing he said is you know keep with us fans and you know it's important to hear you guys throughout the game and all that stuff almost pleading uh, to the fans after the game which uh, uh, is interesting to me Uh, obviously they obviously don't have a very good start uh, at home and uh, um, obviously, with the Everly and Hall comments here over the last week, uh, also kind of an, in, an interesting uh, dynamic there. But uh, just my observation, I guess, uh, like your guys' opinion. That, that's the interview he did on the scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sure. I, I did not hear that because I'm already starting to uh, listen to our radio broadcast and get some other stuff ready. Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know if Cam's thinking, okay, I know what Hall and Eberly said, so I'm going to say something about it. But that's an interview for the fans. 
when, yeah. you're, when you're on the big screen after after an exciting victory. But I, I think he did want to – I'm sure he's thinking like, hey, there's – Almost sixty games left here. Like let's let's, well, keep, let's yeah. keep working. To me it's one of those, hey, we're sorry that we've got off to the start right. we have. You know what? Give us some time, we'll get there. I think that's what I don't think it had anything to do with uh, with Everly Hall, anything that's been written. I think it's just, hey, we're a much better team than this. We haven't put it together yet, but hold on guys, we'll be there for you. Just stay with us. So that's what I think he's talking about. Oilers take it three two in overtime over Arizona. We'll bring Robert onto the show. Hey Robert, thank you for calling. Uh, uh, hey Reed, hey Rob, how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Yeah, well, no, my, so, I have a couple thoughts, obviously, again tonight. But no, my my first my first going to be on the uh, the secondary scoring. It's nice to see uh, Cassie and get one tonight, and all uh, nice to see uh, no Benning get one. You know, uh, you know, uh, nice to see somebody you know besides McDavid step up uh, and produce for this team because I think that's something that. That's something that they're going to need to have uh, consistently if they want to. They want to uh, dig themselves out of this hole. Well, you're right. I mean, this is something that we've talked about. Uh, a lot on uh, since the beginning of the season. Where are they going to get the secondary scoring from? And then a number of the players struggled at the beginning of the year, and it was just magnified because they weren't getting the saves they needed. Their their specialty teams were not good, and they needed that extra goal from someone on the third or fourth line. Uh, they've started to get better. Kara's had a few points. Cassian with a goal tonight. Uh, Benning from the back end. If you want to be a good hockey club in, in the National Hockey League, you, you can't be just a one-line team because eventually teams figure that out and they'll shut that one line down or limit them. So the others need other guys to, to stand up and be counted for. And tonight, that's one of the reasons that the, the Oilers have gone with three different centers, playing on three different lines, hopefully trying to get some of the other wingers other than the top couple on the score sheet. So now Kara's a, a little bit banged up. We'll see yep. if, if, if he can play, and, and Pooley-Yarvey has been scratched the last couple of games. Would you like to see those guys back in? I mean, maybe, you know, Packerinen didn't. I don't know if Packerinen got a shift in the third period. If he did, it might have been one. Would you like to see one of those guys reinserted? And Kara especially, you know, was showing a lot of life after being scratched for that set of games. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I think uh, Kara, the way he was playing, deserves to be in the lineup. Injury is the only reason he's not in. Uh, Pugliarvi, uh, they just looking for some consistency out of him. I think that when he gets playing the way he's capable of playing, he gives them something that some of the guys that are in the lineup right now ahead of him are unable to do. Uh, he's going to be eventually be a power play guy. He's going to be a top six guy. Uh, they need him to be a goal scorer with that big, big shot of his. The, the one problem you have is a lot of coaches don't like messing with a, a, a lineup that is one. And for the only the second time this year, they have a lineup that's one back-to-back. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Todd does insert either of them into the next game. And we don't, I mean, I don't know if Scare is healthy enough to play next game or not. I don't know. Uh, but he, he, if this team is fully healthy and you're going to go with your best lineup, I think that Kara and, and most like Pugliarvi will would be in your top 20. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, 11 o'clock headlines coming up. You're still going to hear from Ryan Strom, who played against his brother Dylan. Tonight, we'll go over some of Peter Shirelli's comments. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live 
from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. The Edmonton Oilers started the night six points out of a playoff spot. They ended five points out, getting a 3-2 overtime win over the Arizona Coyotes. Chicago officially in the second wildcard position with 27 points. San Jose is third in the Pacific. They have 28. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Rogers Place. It's 11.06. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. You'll hear from Ryan Strom in a couple of minutes. But first to the phone, 780-496-0063. It's Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Hi, guys. Um, I was just uh, um, wondering what you guys thought. Um, I was reading the paper this morning, and Shirelli had said that their biggest uh, problem in the defense was Cuffbaum um, and Talbot. And I remember um, before when Schultz was here, and it just seemed like everybody, you know, there were telephone calls and they named him out. And somehow... These guys are talking about trying to build their confidence, and I don't know that those kind of things help. What do you think? No, I understand what you're saying, yeah. I mean, nobody likes being called out, especially a player, because players can't call out coaches or GMs. Um, I think that both Talbot and Clefbaum will tell you that they have not been anywhere near as good as they felt they have been in the past. I think Talbot now is starting to gain confidence in the last little while, has been much better. When they were talking, when Peter was talking about Talbot, I think he was talking about the beginning of the season. Talbot got off to a slow start, and I don't think that surprised Talbot at all. Uh, and Clefbaum, he talked about Clefbaum, had also talked about the fact that one of the reasons he is not playing to the potential or playing up to his abilities is he's banged up. And Peter Shirelli talked about that too. So uh, Clefbaum and Talbot both know that uh, their bar is very high after how well they played last year, and their GM just mentioned. So I mean, I, I think I mean, he has to be honest, and I think, I, well, Talbot, I think and I think Shirelli was honest. I think that that's a good point. I mean, I think there's a point where you're honest. If I mean, Peter Shirelli hasn't addressed the local media, and really, when he's addressing the local media, he's addressing the fans. Yes, he's speaking to the fans through the media. So I mean, I, I, if he comes out and says, "Oh no, go like 901 save percentage," that's fine. I mean, everybody knows a 901 save percentage in this day and age in the NHL is not good enough. No. Nope. So I, I mean, he didn't. I, I think sometimes he, like, when someone to me says calling out, it's almost a, an aggressive finger pointing. You're terrible. You're the reason. You're the big reason. Like, I mean, I, I think. I think he identified it. I think he recognized it. I don't think he heaped on. Nope. But when he, he's going to be asked about goaltending, you know, and Bob, he and Bob went over that on Oilers now, you know, and Bob brought up save percentage. And I think Shirelli just simply said, you know, the guy's usually, he's usually 919, 920. Now he's 901. Well, I, I think he said it in a matter of fact way. He didn't say it in a negative way or, or, or in a finger pointing way. As a matter of fact, uh, those two, uh, they haven't been as good as they were in the past. They need to be better. And, Talbot already has taken huge strides back to where he was last year, and t- tonight's a great example. Without Cam Talbot, the Oilers don't win this hockey game. They don't get a point in this hockey game, but he gave him a chance to, pl- to win, and just like we saw time and time again last season. Well-deserved. He was the first star tonight, mm-hmm. for sure. Ryan Strom of the Edmonton Oilers was playing against his brother, Dylan Strom, for just the second time in their NHL careers. Here's Ryan. 
I'd like to see him on the ice. You guys post for a photo and warm up. I mean, it must be really special. Yeah, I didn't get too many shifts against him, which was nice. Uh, I, maybe just one or two, actually. So, yeah, it's always a weird game, but uh, you know, I'm a big fan of his, obviously, and um, it's tough when you're kind of worried about your own game, but you're kind of looking over the board. So. Um, He's in our division now, so we're going to have to do it a lot, but uh, hopefully each time it gets easier, and you know, very proud of him, what he's accomplished, and uh, he's going to have a great career. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Just jumping in here late. Can you just talk about pulling out in the end there? I mean, you guys started out pretty good in the game, and it seemed like it sort of got away from you, but then in the third period, you guys sort of uh, came out with a desperate effort. Yeah, I mean, if, like I said, I think we just play like that all the time. The third will be all right, so hopefully we can build off that little little blueprint, find that consistency, and um, like I said, two in a row, and hopefully we can uh, you know, get another one against Toronto here. Just the fact that it is two in a row, you guys have done it only once this season now to try to you know strive for three in a row. Is that sort of a goal for you guys here now? Yeah, of course. We know where we're at. We know what the, the hole we put ourselves in and kind of got to dig our way out and, um, you know, game by game. But, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle, but we got the, we got the team to do it. And if there's anyone that can do it, it's this team. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to Thursday already. And, um, you know, it's going to be a good test for us. And just a thought on your goaltender tonight, Cam Talbot. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Um, He's the backbone of our team, I think. You know, some defensive breakdowns, but he makes all the right saves when he has to. And um, when he plays like that, he's going to give us a chance to win. And, you know, our skills took over a little bit tonight. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Reed, that's Ryan Strong. All right. Thanks a lot, Brendan Ulrich. Work in the Oilers dressing room this evening. They get it 3-2 over Arizona. Talbot, a, a, a huge topic. I mean, he was great tonight. Uh, Nugent Hopkins said it, especially early and late, because mm-hmm. a couple of big saves uh, in overtime. Coyotes couldn't convert a couple of other chances off the post. And, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, probably easily could have been 2 or 3 nothing Arizona after the first period. But Talbot was big, and the Oilers scored on really – trying to think if they had anything else even resembling nope, a good scoring that opportunity. Was, that the was their only real chance. I think Strom shot one wide first couple of shifts. He got in tight and rolled it wide to the net, but the, really that Cassian breakaway was it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tony standing by. Good to hear from you, Tony. How's it going, brothers? Very good. So, honestly, tonight I watched the game and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, we came out slow, but they got the two points that we needed. Um, I and another thing I liked is the fact that you know now it seems like we're not just counting on McDavid to be doing everything. Yeah, you know he was doing a lot of stuff tonight, but he wasn't. We didn't need him to, to shine to actually win the game. We actually got some players who decided to step up finally, which is very nice, and that's how it's been for the last few games. Um, I got honestly nothing bad to say. Yeah. We should have won it in regulation, but you know what? A win's a win, and I'm hoping that this can continues on, and we'll see what happens. Well, I think you make a good. I mean, yeah, a win's a win. I mean, the Oilers need to count by twos, <laughs> you know, in, in this in the standings. So, yeah, you know, fair point. They they need to catch up and, and keep climbing, and. You know, the the whole secondary scoring talk is, is an interesting one. I mean, McDavid didn't have a point tonight. I don't think Dreisaitl had a shot, no. actually. Oh. He pa- passed up the best opportunity yeah, that he, he had. He like, should have had a couple. Like you referenced earlier. So, you know, usually those guys are on the score sheet. And then I think with secondary scoring, the reason they're, they're secondary scorers is because they don't score all the time. Mm-hmm. But you hope that you have okay, here's a five-game stretch where Maroon and Lucic had a burst. And then maybe they cool off, and then here's another five-game stretch where Strom and Latestu gets a couple power play goals or Cassian's able able to chip in. So, you know, you're going to have – the secondary scores aren't going to be consistent. Nope. 
but you hope you have enough on your team. Bob Bob calls it a whack-a-mole offense, right? So McDavid and Dreisaitl hopefully are always creating and hitting the score sheet, and then you have two or three other guys who over a five- to eight-game stretch are the ones helping out, and then when they step back, other guys step up. Yeah, well, well, that's what you need to be successful. And when you look at the teams in the in the playoffs, the teams that go far, it's because someone on their third line or someone on their fourth line has come up with a big goal here and there. And and it, if it's Kara tonight, it's Strom tomorrow. If it's Strom tonight, then it's Latestu or Cass. You know, there's and again, they they're not going to do it on a consistent basis because they would be your primary scorers if they did. So secondary guys, you just need <laughs> someone to step up here and there to help uh, supplement. The, the, the stars of the team when they just don't have the puck luck that uh, obviously tonight McDavid a number of great chances he set up that didn't go in Drysaddle again a couple of good chances that he set up that didn't go in so when that puck luck isn't there for those guys you need other guys to come up and tonight it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Benning and Cassian were the guys that were able to light the lamp and get the others a very very important two points yeah McDavid fed Lucic great couple times and just Lucic couldn't quite quite finish and obviously McDavid had that partial breakaway and Wedgwood was able to stop him on that one on the on Cassian's breakaway goal Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Stepan passes back to the point. Latestu picked it off and then flipped it ahead, and Cassian you know, skated everybody to get up there. Was, was that was that a bad pass by the offensive player? Uh, did Latestu you know bait him and make the right read? What did you see on that one? Well, it, it was a bad pass. I mean, it was a great play by Latestu, a smart play, being in the right spot, having stick uh, in in passing lanes. But it was uh, there was really no nowhere for the puck to go when it went back there. I think. I don't know what Stepan saw, but you've got everything was going Arizona's way. Like, just don't make the big mistake, and that was the big mistake. And, and on that one, Latestu made an area pass. And so often, guys, you see guys try and make stick to stick, and when they do that, you know the defender's in the lane, it gets deflected and bounced. He's just trying to put the puck in in an area because he's smart. He knows that Cassian is going to beat 90% of the defensemen in in a foot race if they're starting even. So we put the puck out nicely, said, all right, Cassian, it's yours. And, I mean, we have the benefit of being up here in the press box. But as soon as Latestu got the puck on his stick, you knew that Cassian was about to get a breakaway because nobody was going to catch him, and Latestu put the puck in the right spot. And that was such an important goal for the Edmonton Oilers at that point because Arizona was pressing and the Oilers looked flat. So the Oilers moved to 10-13-2 on the season. I mentioned they're still in a tough spot, five out of the playoffs, second last in the Western Conference, ahead of only Arizona. Rob and I get asked a lot, what will happen if things don't turn around for the Oilers? Well, today the man who will ultimately make that decision, Peter Shirelli, was asked. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that is a question worth, or at least that I can answer right now with complete accuracy. Like, it's... We're, we're in second last in our division. We're third or fourth last, second last in the league. It's obviously a spot where we, we are very disappointed that we're in. Um, you, you have to be um, obviously vigilant on this type of stuff to answer your question a little bit, but you can't, you can't overreact um, in the sense that you can't just blow things up. Um, so I, I really I can't answer at this point if, if this goes on uh, you know we like okay so a little bit to Jason's question where the, we, of our last three games we've played two pretty good games but then you look at the middle game and so like so how do you 
how do you rectify that as a manager? Where does that come from? So we have to do, you know, we, we obviously have been looking at this deeply and, and we have to continue to look at it. This, this, by the way, this doesn't mean that we're not looking at, at as I said, other opportunities, players that are out there. And, and this doesn't mean that we're going to be patient all year with this group. It just means that we're, we're trying to figure it out. We'd like to see some traction somewhere, and if we don't, we have to, you know, we, we're going to have to take a different tact. I don't know when that is. Well, so what I'm hearing there, Rob, is, and I mean, managers are always looking. They're always yep. talking, and I mean, there's there's so many rumors out there, and some might have, I mean, if two managers casually say, well, this guy for this guy, they, they could not do anything about that till. Hmm. The summer or next year. So how how strong is that rumor? But I mean, he's he's obviously talking. He did make a minor trade, Jokinen for Camilleri a couple of weeks ago. Well, I mean, what I'm hearing there is that I don't think, and and we've kind of been saying the same thing that we're sometimes a little confused watching the orders. Which team is going to show up? Uh, how smart are they going to play tonight? How detailed are they going to play in, in any given game? We we don't really know yet. So I, I don't know if Shirelli's quite made up his mind along those lines. Either you you often reference that anything the Oilers have of value, I don't know if they'd want to part with. Mm-hmm. I would not trade personally. I would absolutely not trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I flat out would not do it. Right? I mean, I don't think you're going to flip Adam Larson a year and a third after tri- you know tri- getting him for Taylor Hall. So uh, now, as he said, see how it goes. If they can't get any traction. You know they're kind of in a weird area right now, though it's uh, you know relatively early in the season. They're, they they got to jump by a lot of teams to get into a playoff spot, but it's not as if they're totally wiped out of it. No, I, and I, even the start they've had, I still believe this is a playoff hockey club, um, and, and they will get back to that spot. I, I think they've underachieved to start the season, and once. Cam Talbot gets to where Cam Talbot usually is, and he's there right now, that they're going to be in every game. Uh, they've got the arguably the best player in the world on their team who is having another very good season. So they've got a goaltender that's given them a chance. they got the most exciting player in the league who, when given an opportunity, he's, he's a game-breaker. Uh, they're going to get their what first or second best defenseman back in a month's time or so. Sacra. So all of a sudden, without moving anyone off their team, they're going to get significantly better. And when you when you say Sacra, so he comes back, that might move someone down. But it, the, the trickle-down effect, now Ovito's out and you're getting Sacra. That's a big difference. And Sacra's a guy that's going to play 23, 24 minutes a night. So they're going to be much better hockey club at that point. So I, I don't think anything major is going to happen. I really don't. I think this team is going to be a team that's going to be around the playoff spot the entire season. They're going to have to have a nice little run, but this is the start of a run right now, hopefully. You can't win three in a row until you win two. They've won the two now. They've got a, a game against Toronto, which is an exciting game, easy to get up for, because there's going to be Maple Leafs fans in, in the stands. There's going to be a, crowd, a loud atmosphere here. So they got that game, then followed that with a Calgary Flame game, which is a big game. Everyone loves it. So all of a sudden, the Oilers got... Two in a row. They're playing two exciting games for themselves. If they win those two, the momentum just starts building and building. So Peter Shirelli has faith in this team. This is a team that was, you know, a, a goal or a, a good referee call away from going to the Final Four last year. Uh, and he's not going to make any rash decisions right now. I think he's going to let it play out and let the players get to where they need to be. And he believes they will. 
Oilers win 3-2 over Arizona. You'll hear from Coyotes coach Rick Tockett when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Ekman Larson had a poke past him, and now we've got a breakaway. Nugent Hopkins to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers. 3-2 in overtime. So the Oilers improved to 10-13-2 on the season. The Arizona Coyotes started the year 0-10-1. They're now 6-17-4. They're coached by Rick Tockett. Point, but you're, you're close to two tonight. How close were you, you think? Yeah, we played a really good game. Yeah, we played a really good game. The start of this game, did you like what you see? Yeah, no, I, I really liked our start. Um, Oilers started to come a little bit. I think we were getting a little antsy, and then we got back. We regained it again, uh, and they capitalized on a couple of their chances. About overtime, right? There was high drama there. You guys rang a couple off the post, didn't you? Yeah, two breakaways and two posts yeah. and a missed shot. Plus, Scott Wedgwood tonight coming off what happened on Saturday. It looked like he had a bit of an edge about him this morning, anxious to get back. Yeah, you know, uh, um, you know, anytime somebody has a tough start, they want to get back in there. Impressed with him now, at least that you guys maybe have some belief in him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we had a lot of chances tonight, and we deserved to win the game, and the Oilers capitalized on, on the, the amount of chances they had, but we had a lot of chances tonight. Any update on Jarmelson? Uh, day to day. Day to day. Day to day. I'm not sure yet. We'll evaluate after. Uh, yes. I guess. Okay. Man, a few words. Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett. The Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. Benning ties it in the third. And then Nugent Hopkins wins it in overtime. All right. Our next broadcast... For an Oilers game, Thursday, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. The Toronto Maple Leafs will be in town. It's always raucous when they're in Edmonton. I'll have inside sports tomorrow from 6 to 8. We have Ricky Ray as a scheduled guest. That'll be fun. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. You can get more on 630chet.com, including a full story on what Peter Shirelli had to say today. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer back at 630chet. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, coming to you from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. In OT, Oilers 3, Desert Dogs 2. Have a great night. Thank you.